Hi, I'm Amber Holly, and I'm about to have a productive conversation with Mike Vardy. Welcome to A Productive Conversation. It's me, Mike Vardy, and on this episode, I'm joined by Amber Holly. Now, Amber is the owner of a therapy practice in Silicon Valley, the host of the Easily Distracted Entrepreneur and Couples Fix podcasts. She's a wife, mom of three kids, and Marvel movie superfan. We're going to dig into that, I'm sure, as well. Amber originally worked in the tech industry, but her love for people led her to pursue a career where meaningful relationships are at the center of everything she does. This is a fantastic conversation, a productive one at that, and let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Amber Hawley. Enjoy. Amber, thanks so much for taking the time to join me today. Yes, I'm very excited. So you'd think at this point, we're just getting started with the conversation if you're listening to this. But no, we've been talking for a half hour <laughs> about, about you know, as soon as Amber sent me her, her bio, the thing I noticed that stood out was Marvel. Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we just dug into that for the first little while. Then we started talking about geography. And then as I'm going through it, we've probably crossed paths before at different conferences. So for those yes. that don't know you or have not listened to your podcast, or can you share a little bit about, first off, who you are? And then you were going to tease right before we started, like how Michael Stelzner and Pat Flynn, who are on your website, if you scroll, there's an Easter egg, you can see them there, how they <laughs> helped you get started with podcasting. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I'm a therapist, a licensed therapist by trade. Um, and I have the easily distracted entrepreneur podcast. And it's funny because I was, I was a dot comer before becoming a therapist because I had, you know, an existential crisis at 27 and then became a therapist. And then I started my own business and kind of went back into like all of that dot com world. And so I do business consulting and help, uh, neurodiverse entrepreneurs, uh, get shit done. Okay. I forgot let's, to ask if you could swear. I was like, no, 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 that's fine. That's <laughs> yeah. fine. No, you swear all day long. And, and, and what, what, you know, I was just talking to, um, Alan Henry, uh, earlier today, uh, this, his, his episodes already aired. Uh, you can go find it in the, in the, uh, show notes, but Amber, when you talk about neurodivergent, I don't think everyone knows what that means. I think people have, have they've heard the term maybe before, Sure. but what, does that mean and what and how does that impact someone's ability to be productive or get things done? Yeah. So neuro, neurodiversity is like an umbrella term for people whose brains work a little bit differently, right? And so that could be ADHD, autism. Those are usually the ones that people talk about the most, but it can also be things like dyslexia or uh OCD or apraxia. It's just the brain is kind of wired a little bit different than the neurotypical is what we would call it person. And, um, you know, interestingly enough, uh, entrepreneurs tend to be, they, they estimate like 40% of entrepreneurs are neurodiverse, which makes a lot of sense, right? Um, because there's also this wanting to do things different, not really being able to conform to things like structure wise and wanting kind of to do it on their own terms. Um, so that that's why that happens. But there are things that I like, I like to say like ADHD, it can be a superpower. It is a superpower, which probably is why I love Marvel so much, right? I'm all about <laughs> having my own superpowers. <laughs> Although if I were to choose, I might choose something else. Yeah, it might be a different know. power. It, <laughs> yes, it might be it a, a power that doesn't, uh, 
Yeah, because it's inter- but but that's but that's interesting because when you talk about superpowers, they have their pros and their cons though. Of course. Well, every and you have to have your kryptonite, right? Yeah. Like that's the thing where you I think as superpowers, there's like a ton of creativity, thinking outside the box, and our ability to actually get things done when we when the right conditions are met and hyper focus is amazing. And that's probably why most people, when they're successful, it's they've capitalized on that. Mm-hmm. But the the converse, the opposite side of that is really struggling to do basic, like boring tasks. Like I, I like to say sometimes getting your uh, like your taxes done can feel like you're climbing Everest, right? which, or doing something simple, like sending an email. Sometimes it can, and it's like, people do not understand, like, why is that so hard, you know? But it's because our executive functioning is, works differently and kind of is impaired, right? So some things we can be great at and some things we really struggle with. And I would imagine that, um, and we'll get back to the whole podcasting Stelzner Pat story <laughs> here in a minute, but I would imagine, and and I think I, I've, I've noticed this in myself as well, is the, the propensity to do those boring things or the things that seem mundane that are challenging are we still fall prey to the, or, or you still fall prey to the idea of like, I'm going to do this myself, even though I should delegate it, right? Like delegating it yes. would be a better solution, but I don't have time or I don't know how to do it or whatever. So they just, but is, which also could be a form of task avoidance too, right? Like, so we, oh, 100%. the, the same kind of things with neurodiverse people are, are also, they, they can also hamper people who are not neurodiverse in a lot of ways, right? Yes. And I will say, so like I do coaching and have a membership for, uh, for people to help them get things done. And there are people who are neurotypical that are in it because I think at this point we're so overwhelmed and overloaded as business owners, because we wear so many hats that every, you know, everyone struggles with it. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just that there is this extra layer (laughs) added when you have also the ADHD struggles. And sometimes the traditional productivity advice does not work for somebody who's neurodivergent. Right. 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 And, and further to that, um, you know, I think that the pace of the world is at such a breakneck speed that it feels like overwhelm isn't necessarily about all the things that you need to do. It's that they all need to be done now. Yes. Oh, yes. And that's where we struggle is prioritization. Mm -hmm. Like, I think all business owners, frankly, kind of struggle with that sometimes unless you've really locked it in, you know, but that's an extra, it it is really hard. And that's part of that executive functioning. It's like prioritization, um, kind of like self-awareness, time management, like there, it's those things like around planning and executing that can, can be a struggle, right? Do you feel that, and I asked this on Twitter a number of months ago, I, I put a poll out and I said, prior to, I, I said here, which, which do you relate to the most or which dis, do you think is more apt of a description? And I said, prioritization is greater than productivity. Productivity is greater than prioritization or prioritization is equal to productivity. I can't remember the results offhand right now. I think most people thought that prioritization was greater than productivity, which I think is good to a point. I think that that we live in a world where there needs to be some balance between I need to do this stuff, but it may not be the most important thing right now, but I need to do it because, again, priorities have been kind of 
bastardized for lack of a better term. Right. You know, I mean, the idea that, you know, we should only have one priority is a nice thing to think about. And it's the, you know, idyllic situation, but the industrial complex and the way the world works makes it sound that, that, that idea of priorities, which never existed before, as Greg McEwen brought up in his book, Essentialism, there's no fighting against that. Yeah. I would say, I, I mean, at first, I almost wanted to say more, but I actually would say it's like equal yeah. because I agree with you that I think, I like to t- say we have to be ruthlessly prioritizing all the time. And then that's, again, like reassessing, using data, whatever, and then determining. But at the same time, like you said, I, I see people who are like, quote unquote, productive and they don't, they've never accomplished the important things that move their business forward. Mm-hmm. So they feel stuck. Or there's like, you focused on the one thing so well, but you didn't have the systems to support that. So everything else fell through the cracks. Like, it's great if you can, you know, write a book or build this big program. But if you're not answering your phone or emails and you're not doing, you know, some of the stuff that just kind of keeps the engine running, like, there's that balance, right? There has to be a level of productivity. I I guess I think of it as, um, I gosh, the word is just going to escape me now. I like to say like efficiency a little bit, like, but there has to be like getting things done. You do have to get things done. But sometimes, like you said, we're avoiding the things that move us forward for so many reasons, right? Like that could be resistance, the emotional stuff, these beliefs that we hold and, or we're just afraid of it. Like there's, or we don't know how to do it. And so we'll do these other things that feel productive, but they're not. It's productive procrastination is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or doing productive instead of actually being productive. Yes, yes. Um, let's go back to the the story about the podcast because uh, <laughs> as I was going through, and literally as we started the conversation, I'm like, oh, there's Michael Stelzner. Oh, there's Pat Flynn. Oh, there's Eric Fisher. Oh, there's Nick Loper. Now we have a plethora of show note links that we brought. <laughs> yes, time exactly. Yeah. Um, but what what was the story behind Michael and Pat kind of? leading you or helping you make the decision to start your your own podcast? Yeah. So, well, I went with my, my best friend, my biz bestie. So the podcast when it originally started was called my biz bestie and I had a co-host and, uh, like a year and a half ago, I think it was, or almost two, she had to step away for things were going on in her life. Mm -hmm. And so then I, you know, rebranded and transitioned, but, uh, we were talking about years ago, like what what do we want to do, you know, as far as gaining visibility and building your audience and whatever. And we're talking about things. And we basically narrowed that we should start a podcast. So we signed up for PodFest and we signed up for Pat Flynn's course. And then we went to PodFest and we're going around and, but we weren't decided, like we wanted to do individual podcasts. We also kind of want to do something together. And we were just trying to figure everything out. And so we ended up uh, accidentally talking our way into the VIP party, which was really cool, but it was an accident, but it was fun. And we ran into Michael Stelzner and Pat, Pat Flynn was there too. And we started talking about it and saying, Oh, we want to do our individual thing. This is what we do, you know, individually. And then Michael Stelzner goes, no, this, this is magic do this. Mm. And so we're like, huh. And that, and that really stuck with us. I was like, that's, yes, we should capitalize on something. There's this energy. We have a great chemistry together. And 
And we were, I think we weren't decided about things. And so he helped us kind of like solidify that this something here was going to work, right? And so we decided to do a, our, you know, co-host joint podcast first. And I tell you, if we hadn't launched that one first, I think we would have been victim of pod fade. Like if, if it, if we had to do it on our own, just because of who we are, we're very, we're both ENFPs with ADHD. ENFP is a Myers-Briggs thing. We like to have fun. We like to have conversations. It's like, there were things that came up in life, like getting really sick and throwing out my back. And she had other things going on. And it's like, if it was just on us individually, we wouldn't have continued with it. But it was like having that support. And it was kind of a mission. We were we were seeing, we're both therapists. So we're like, you need a social support network, right? And in business, so many people are isolated. And so that was kind of what I kept seeing around and saying like, people need to know, we do it naturally really well. They need to know how to find their biz besties and their inner circles and find that support network to help them because it's a struggle. Like it's, you know, it's a, there's lots of ups and lots of downs. And I think we need those people in our life that we're not paying for, right. Mm -hmm. That are really there for us and supporting our business. So, so yeah, so he, I think Michael Stelzner, like, uh, helped us recognize that that was probably the best way to go. And I'm so grateful because we wouldn't have, we would have done our own individually, I think. And then we would have had pod fade. <laughs> you know, managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepassword.com slash ProductiveConvo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there, and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now... You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. As somebody who does coaching, like I do coaching, which is definitely different than therapy. I don't want to draw the, there's a huge difference. But I can say that there are moments where because to me, coaching, there's a lot of persuasion. There's a lot of, yes, there's encouragement, but it's, it's again, there's teaching that, and there can be a drain, which is why I don't coach a ton of clients. How do you, in your line of work, which again, I will, you know, again, I can't understate is 
a higher level, a totally different thing. How do you make sure that you take care of yourself along the way? Because I imagine that, and you just talked about it, like the idea of having someone there to support you so that, you know, someone can pick up the ball when you can't and so on and so forth. How do you make sure that you do things in a balanced way when it comes to the practice that you have? And, and how do you encourage others to do the same? Yeah, absolutely. And I do, I do therapy and coaching. So I have sure. both of those. And so, and I have respect for both modalities. They have different, they have different purposes. Right. And so I think, and it's funny because I think uh, most neurodivergent people, we kind of suck at balance. We really suck at it. We're very all or nothing, mm. but this being my life's blood and my, you know, like my passion and the thing I love, you have to find balance in that kind of work because like you're saying, the energetic drain or load on you is so great. And you're of no service to anybody. If you don't take care of yourself, like there's no way you can help others in a way like sustainably. And that's my big thing. Like, how is it sustainable? I think for me, it's, uh, and what I, you know, I work with a lot of therapists and a lot of coaches as well. It's, you have to have like a lot of boundaries. You have to really recognize your, I call it energy management. Mm -hmm. So like when you see clients is really important, like time of day even. And so I think sometimes people think, oh, well, my brain works the best at this time. That's probably not the time to see your coaching clients. That's the time to do the hard stuff in your business right? That where your brain's on fire and it can really work. Because most people who are coaches or therapists, they're so good at being a coach or therapist that that's like, it's like secondhand nature. And so it's like, you don't need your best, most energetic time. Like you shouldn't be drained, but mm -hmm. so I think it's like having boundaries around your time, really um, building in more space. I think we, I'm a huge fan of essentialism and you're one thing and I preach it because we need to have more space. We need that downtime to rejuvenate. And, and then there are other things that you can do to make sure that you're not taking everything home or as we have a saying in the therapy world of saying, you can't jump in the pit with people. Like you can, you can give a ladder or a hand, a hand down, but you can't jump in with them. Mm -hmm. Right. So you have to do some compartmentalization so that you stay sane. <laughs> um, you talked about the idea of boundaries and, and, and balance. And, and, and I think that when, when someone's an entrepreneur, and they have all these ideas and they have all these things they want to bring to life. And I would count myself among them. Um, and I have all the tools and the tricks and the trades and all that. And, you know, you, you tend to want to bend or even see how, how sustainable, as you put, put it, uh, your, your tactics and your strategies are. When someone comes to you and you see that, you see that they are spreading themselves out too thin. But like, what are the cues? What do you look for and, and say, oh, hold on this, you know, not only you're spread too thin, but these are the things that I've noticed in your behavior that light you up. So focus on those. Or is there, is there anything like that? Or is it very much a, oh, yeah. you start with the whole, take a step back, you're spreading yourself too thin and then some evaluation. Yeah. Well, Yes. No, I do see that. There are a few things. I like to say I'm like the queen of carefrontations. So like I lovingly will kick you in the butt, like in a real loving way. But then and being a therapist, I know like, here's your, here's what I see. Here's the evidence based on what you said, how you answered these questions. Like you said, all this stuff. And even like how, 
you know, sometimes it's your business isn't grown to where you want it to be because you're spread too thin, right? That's like too many directions, that mm-hmm. thing where one arrow goes further. Or they're like, oh, I'm making all this money and I'm doing this great, but my relationships like total crap because yep. couples therapy is one of my specialties. And so it's like, well, if the rest of your life sucks and you keep telling me this, but then you're like, no, it's fine. I can keep doing all these things. Like, let's look at the data. So I'll say it, I'll give them the data. And then I'm like, but you, but you, you have to make that choice when you're ready. Like mm. when you think, and I think it's one of those, it's like Tai Chi where it's like, you present it with them and they're either on board or they like they need to kind of come to that place themselves. But I think it's a constant negotiation of like, let's look at the reality. Let's look at the data because we can forget. We can be like, oh yeah, I'm doing so great and all these things. Oh yeah, I haven't seen my kids in like, <laughs> however long. Oh, uh, we're, you know, my partner and I aren't getting along and not having sex or whatever. It's like, okay, (laughs) well, is that, does that work for you? (laughs) Right? Like it's kind of presenting that, but I think we can't push it on people. I can say it firmly and say, this is what I see, Mm -hmm. but then you have to leave that space for them to come to that conclusion. You think journaling helps? I do. And I think if, if journaling works for you, I think journaling does work because I think I like visual accountability. When you put it out there and you write it down, it's a place you can go back and read it because we can, like you said, the world is so fast. It's so, there's so much going on in this moment. I might recognize that, but an hour later, I I'm in a totally different space and I'm not thinking about it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think having it journal down. For some people though, journaling is really like difficult for them, uh, especially neurodivergent people. It's like putting, I, I always say, God, it'd be so great to have something that just read my mind and typed for me. <laughs> like, that well, would yeah, be amazing. I, so that's why dictation, like I dictated, like I don't actually, yes. like I, I actually use drafts on my phone and I dictated because not because I'm not capable, but because I know that there's a friction. There's yes, the friction. Exactly. And that is one of the strategies I recommend because it's, Sometimes it's that translation or it's enough where you're like, I won't, my ideas will be stifled or my, because it takes just a little bit extra effort, right? Yeah. there And and there's that perfectionism of like, oh, I didn't type it right. Or I didn't, or how am I going to, you know, and I've been spending some time reading journals of people like Alan Rickman's book and so on and so forth. And there's no, there's no, it's just the process. It's not perfection. And it has to be to your point, sustainable. Like that's the, and I think that there's another thing that gets in the way of it. And I actually uh, alluded to this uh, not too long ago in some of my writing was uh, Matthew McConaughey was, you know, he's written about journaling and so on and so forth. He's got a whole book about how journaling helped him get to where he is. And it, the, the, I think the short is called dude's journal, because I think it's not considered to be something that a guy would do is journal, right? Mm. It seems like it's more of a, it's, it's more of a feminine thing, which is total crap, but yeah. it's still something that, <laughs> that exists, right? Sure. Um, okay. So let me, let me, uh, shift gears for a second and ask you a question based on endings, because I think that when, when people are doing things, that they're doing productive, let's say. They're doing productive. They're not being productive. And they've got all these irons in the fire, especially entrepreneurs, because entrepreneurs love to start things but they and they love to see things through. But then they have a hard time necessarily ending things in a graceful way, right? Like in, in a way, they'll either just burn out, right? Or they'll mm-hmm. stop, you know, without warning. How... 
How do you, or, or they'll keep going, or worse, they'll keep going because, <laughs> because yes. it's hard, too hard to stop, right? Yes. So if someone comes to you with that, or, or, if, or even in your own, it, maybe it's something you faced, how would you deal with that? Because I think that, again, that's where we can get caught in the trap of just doing stuff for the sake of doing stuff, even though it may not be serving us anymore. Right. And so to be clear, you're talking about when it's time to let go of something and end something, not finishing a project. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, like, okay. Not, it's yeah. not, yeah. Like something not that finished. has run its course. Yeah. Not, no. I mean, there, that's a whole other thing, but oh, <laughs> yeah. like, like something that like, let's, let's say a podcast, like they, they, you know, you talked about pod fade, right? Like the idea of, yeah. you know, okay, this, you know, there's been some inconsistency or maybe there hasn't been, but the joy is out of it or they're not mm -hmm. doing it, you know, like, have you faced that? And if, and if oh, you yeah. haven't, or yes. like, how does someone end that in a way that they can maybe feel good about it or they can reconcile it at the very least? Yeah, no, it's a great, that's a great question. And I have a great example of, of that for myself. And I agree. I think, I think in our culture, we don't do endings very well, right? Like it's, it's usually like failure or like you said, it just becomes like complete burnout or I or agree just with you, the thing worse. we do or they just the keep thing we do doing it. Yeah. And that's when they're spread so thin. And it's like, but if it brings you no joy and you're so miserable, why are you continuing it? So I actually did have that. I, my first business that I started was my um, group therapy practice. So I started a, a private practice and then I started hiring therapists to work for me and doing that whole thing. And it was great because financially it was really great and it was my bread and butter and it allowed me to pay for my other endeavors and the passion project of my biz bestie and all that. And, you know, cause I have technically three businesses. So that's, you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's that whole spreading yourself too thin. And, and so on, like it's successful, it's great. It helped me get so many opportunities and I hated it. I freaking hated it. I just did not, it wasn't my joy. And I was like, I don't, I didn't like managing other people. I wanted them to be adults and manage themselves. And it's funny because when I was in the dot-com world, I managed people, but it's very different when it's your own thing and it feels like personal. And then you also have all these like anxieties that probably are not fully realistic that when you're in corporate, you're like, well, I'm not impacted. If you leave, I'm not impacted, right? It doesn't really matter. I mean, yes, there might be extra work, but so anyway, so I had this group practice and it wasn't filling me up. So I started other businesses to try to fill me up. But what that made me do is get burnt out because mm. I was spread too thin. And so, you know, I tried different ways and I thought, okay, I, do I let it go or do I just need to do some like mental mindset work to kind of get back into a place of finding the joy or figuring out the solutions? And I, there were a couple, like hiring people to manage the people, like hiring, just more hiring, right? But I was like, okay. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to sell it. So then we moved in 2019 across the country and my plan was to sell it, but then it turns out it takes two years on average to sell a practice. And I was so done by that point, but I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Well, then COVID hit. Right. And basically like the business kind of, I, I don't want to say imploded, but like a lot of things shifted mm -hmm. because therapists were like, I can just work out of my bedroom. I, why do I need, now I don't need the office. I don't need all this other stuff. Right. And so even though like it was clearly shifting and I hated it and I didn't want to do it. I still had a hard time letting go of that 
identity of being like a group practice owner. And this was my business that I built. And it felt like a failure because I didn't get off my butt soon enough to sell it. And so, cause I had this idea of the only way to end would be to sell it or to be so freaking successful in something else that I could justify, like, I don't even need that anymore. I'm just going to close it. Right. And so I think I rode that wave <laughs> until last year when um, I had like three therapists leave because they moved and and I was I, I set out a thing and I was going to hire and I had an interview scheduled and I canceled the interview. I was like, I don't want to do this again. Like mm-hmm. I'm done, right? And I will say, I don't think I really, I still don't feel like I ended it the way I would want, would have wanted to, but then I was still paying for my brick and mortar place. Like, so I just went back in September to California for like three weeks to close out the office mm-hmm. that no one had been in for over a year. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's where I got that process of, so I just sold everything because it it's not worth paying. I mean, it was beautiful stuff. I had this beautiful, like tons of furniture and art that I loved, but it was like, it's not worth sent, you know, moving across the country. Right. Mm-hmm. So I sold everything and I went through this process and, and had friends to like, help me celebrate the ending of this. And so it was like, it wasn't a failure. It wasn't that I wasn't a good enough business owner. It was like really just acknowledging I didn't love this anyway. So why would I continue to put myself through this? Right. And so I think like having some kind of ritual where you, and it probably helped that it was brick and mortar. And I really, I literally got to pass things off to people and get rid of it like slowly over this three week period um, it's like it, the ending it, of the Mary Tyler Moore show where they shut off the light at the end. And then exactly. The <laughs> no, it was, it was, I mean, that's a great example. Yeah. That, and that last day I was by myself, like at the very end and thinking, I wish I kind of had someone here, but yeah. I, and I shut off the light and closed the door threw the key in and, Roll and credits. to me, yes, exactly. <laughs> that was the final culmination and and again, like if you're closing something that's not brick and mortar, it you know you I think you have to figure out what is that ritual, what is that thing. But I had a hard time letting go of the identity of a group practice owner, even mm. though I didn't fully enjoy it, because I was successful and people there was a lot of respect for that. Right. It took me a while to take that off my bio. I tell you, I bet. <laughs> I was I like, bet. I was like, Ugh. and so then I was like, okay, I'm still a therapy practice owner in Silicon Valley, but whatever. But it is interesting. I think we have to mourn our the loss of the identity, right? Okay. And so it's like letting go of that role, that part of me that I identified so strongly with for, uh, what was it? 10, no, 11 years, 12 years. Like it was a long time, you know? And it, it didn't happen the way I would have wanted to. I would have preferred to have sold it when it was worth a lot of money. But at the same time... I no longer see it as a failure because I did take the time to really, it took time to process that. But yeah, I agree that it's hard. It's hard to let go of those things, even when we know they're not working for us. Before I let you go, I want to bring things back to the things we talked about before we hit record, (laughs) the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So (laughs) I'm not, we're not going to geek out about it too much, but I want to ask you, um, and I'll bring my own kind of elements into this is everything that's in my study, and I know you can see this right now because we've got visuals, you can see like all of the superhero stuff and everything that I have in my environment is, you know, has something to say to me, 
right? Mm-hmm. Or represents something. The Green Lantern stuff is willpower, willpower. Like you can make anything you can will, you know, and depending on the level of your will, you know, it'll take you much further. Dr. Fate talks about balance versus order and chaos. Vision seems to be the most human character in all of the MCU, despite the fact that he's not human at all. Like all of these things I can derive from story to my own story. I can share that with people through my writing, through storytelling and, you know, through conversations like this. You're a fan as well. My question Mm -hmm. is, do you, when you are, you know, taking this stuff in, when you're watching, say, you know, any of these Marvel shows or, or, or movies, are you, are you looking at like, is it an escape completely or is it, there's something here that I can use in my life, in my business, and or I can share with someone that I think will help them just as much as me watching this right now is helping me. Yeah, I would say the latter. Like, I mean, definitely it's enjoyment and we need an escape, but I think that's why, well, superhero stuff in general is so popular because it's the hero's journey, you know, which is that story that's always told. And we, even though it's obviously very different, I think we do connect to certain characters because we see that journey, that we see something in their journey that that we identify with or that speaks to us, that we're either needing, we're either needing that balance or we're needing that vision where, you know, we're needing, um, you know, whatever, whatever that thing is that they're going through, or we see ourselves in them and in, in even in their, like their greatness, but in their flaws, mm. right? Like I think about, Iron Man is one of my favorites. And I think about like, to me, he feels very ADHD, right? So I'm deeply flawed. Yeah. (laughs) So he's deeply flawed. He's, and, and that's what I love because I think we think to be good humans or good business owners, we have to be perfect. And I was like, we're not robots. There's no way to be perfect. Like that, you're in the wrong species for that. So you might as well let it go. And that's what's so endearing, like to remember, we love Iron Man despite all of his flaws, but we can also see like I need a pepper pots to balance out my hyper focus, total passion, enthusiasm, impulsiveness. Like we all need that, mm-hmm. right? Like, and so I think, yeah, I watch all that stuff. I think there's so many like lessons to learn. And, you know, I'm sure we can see certain characters, the people in our lives or times in our lives that we've gone through these things. And yeah, take away stuff from it. I think it all speaks to everything we're going through in life. <laughs> I think that's why we love it. Well, and it's it's nice because um, whenever those nuggets show up, and I mean, I know you haven't seen WandaVision yet, but there's this whole exchange between two characters that I just keep, I mean, I actually have it on display in my, uh, in my study here. And it just reminds me of that. And same thing when, you know, when I talk about those three, you know, even Moon Knight, the four heroes that I kind of identify the most with, um, they're all the underrated characters. They're the ones that like you, 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 you don't want to mess with because they're more powerful than you think they are, but they never mm-hmm. get the attention they deserve. Like vision, moon Knight's darn powerful. Um, green lantern, you know, Dr. Fate. Um, and what's interesting too, and we talked about this a little bit before we went on is perception optics. Most people, when they saw the new black Adam movie, were like, ah, Dr. Fate's a Dr. Strange ripoff. Most people don't realize that Dr. Fate was created many, many years before Dr. Strange was. So again, that idea that, 
you could take a whole bunch from that. Nothing really is new. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> You know, I mean, even when we talk about some of this productivity advice, I mean, you, you know, and, and some of the time management skills and techniques, um, energy management, all, it's just the messenger can be really, really important. And I think that um, that's that's key. I love your, your the way we talked about endings things, too, because I think that that's something that people do struggle with. And to hear mm-hmm. it from somebody who can help someone with that is, is hugely important. Um, Amber, before I let you go... Um, if someone wants to take the first step in removing the ease of distraction from their situation, mm-hmm. be it in this moment right now, or when they step back after listening to us and go, Hmm, where am I struggling? What's one step that they can take? Okay. So part of me, this is why therapists can be annoying. Cause we say things like it depends. <laughs> <laughs> what else? What? Yeah, those are like, well, it depends. But no, I guess what I would say is sometimes this is where like taking that step back and having self-awareness about your particular struggle or hotspot or how you operate. Because there are some people where I could, you could do the thing where you say, here's the technology that will stop all your notifications and turn off your phone and put your phone in another room. And they're like, yes. And they do it and it's magic for them, right? There are other people who are like, I am never going to do that. And they, you know, are like attached to their phone and they just won't give it up. So I think there are many ways, but I'm going to speak to the neurodivergent person that I'm used to working with. (laughs) They're not going to do that. They're not going to turn the phone off. So for them, it's the accountability piece. So there's this thing called body doubling. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, and you've probably heard like co-working, like, like I host co-working every week in my yeah. membership. We we have but focus fix double. we have focus fix sessions in time crafting trust. Like every yes. yeah. So we're all in the room together. Yeah. Exactly. And so I I it's super effective if you're in person. And I used to do this unknowingly that this was an ADHD like tactic, the co-working thing, or mm-hmm. I mean the body doubling thing. The person doesn't even have to be doing something with the same task. Like they can be watching a movie, but it's having that grounding and that like knowing somebody's there so that you're not going to go pick up your phone, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, sometimes if you're in that camp of like, well, you can't tell me what to do. And and also like, I'm not going to turn all that stuff off because I need it. And it's like, you know, they're addicted. Having something like uh, accountability with somebody, you know, and it can be virtual because we do this virtually to help you stay on track with whatever it is you've said you're going to do, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I do think it is about blocking out time and blocking out way less time than we think. If we were really productive for one hour, we would probably be so much better than working for five hours unproductively or unfocused, mm-hmm. right? So uh, I don't know if that's my best answer, but that's the one that popped in my head and that's no, how I, it works. <laughs> I think I think that you find someone to work with. I mean, even today, as we were just before, like earlier today, the day that we recorded this, um, we we have inside of the time crafting trust membership, and I want you to talk about yours as well. Um, we we have what we call focus fix sessions, and this we record recording this on a Wednesday, and Wednesday we call it Wildcard Wednesday, which is basically some, either I or someone else that's co- in the group will decide what the parameters are for the focus. So it's either mm. fifty minutes or two twenty five minute sessions. Sometimes it's like 
I use energy as your guide. Sometimes it's use a project, like focus on one particular project. But the idea is like, so I didn't have control. I gave control to one of the members today and they said, we're going to use resources. And if you've followed time crafting, anyone who's listening to this, you know that resources is one of the modes categories. And so I followed through with what they asked. And I was honestly more productive on that focus fix call than probably the last three that we had because somebody else kind of said, here's, here's the lens that you're going to look through when you're working. And I was, because I was now part of the group and not kind of the facilitator, I got a lot of stuff done. I did the preparation for our call and I did a whole bunch of like all related to, you know, I'm going to go in it. And it was, um, yeah, by the time I finished that hour, cause we did two 25 minutes plus, you know, reporting, I was like, that was a really productive period of time. So I would agree. Like if you can find yeah. someone or a group of someone's, I think that's the way to go. And what you just spoke to is something I believe in deeply. One, we can't always use our like superpower on ourselves. Right. <laughs> like, I find I host those things, but when I'm in charge, I definitely don't get as much done because I'm busy like managing the time, even if it's this a time clock, yep. you know, I'm still thinking about it. That's kind of how it works. But but I have to go reach out to people to be in charge or to kind of manage things for me. They manage the clock and I show up, right? right? And that helps. And I do think having a theme, we don't always do this. Like ours are pretty open. You can come and work on whatever you want. Everybody has their thing. But I occasionally will do themed co-working yep. like, okay, we're all going to work on, um, you know, getting our backup systems ready or together, like more organized, or we're going to work on cleaning up our Google folders. Occasionally, mm-hmm. like having a focus on those things that are important, but they're never important enough to prioritize. Right. <laughs> Yes. Hence the, yep. <laughs> so it's like, that is so helpful. And because it's that set time, our brains like that, right? Like they need to know, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to get a break in 25 minutes or I'm going to, you know, whatever it's, it's great. And so, yeah, I, I think it's hugely, it's one of my favorite, it, I say it's deceptively simple and it's transformative. And you also realize that you're not the only one that struggles with this, which makes no. it, which removes the ego from the equation completely, which is often what gets us trouble yes, in the first place. It's, it's like, if I just did it better, I could have gotten this done. Yeah. No, no, it's not. That's not the problem. Our brains are the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, They're so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> um, Amber, this has been a great conversation. I want to thank you for taking the time today. Where can people keep up with you and the work you do and share a little bit about, I think it's what's it's the inner circle, I think, right? Yeah, the inner circle. Yes, it's, uh, it's a membership. I wanted it to be something that was really like, a low manageable price point where people can get that support. Of course, I teach from a neurodiverse, like to support neurodiversity. But like I said, it's, I think like if you're not, it's absolutely still would work for you. But we do uh, weekly co-working, there's workshops, guest experts, and um, and group coaching in it to keep us all on track with, I say the emotional side of business, because it's burnout. It's, it is productivity. It's, uh, all the stuff we're dealing with in life and still having to run our businesses. So that's, that's that you can find me at amberholly.com and, uh, or listen to the podcast, the easily distracted entrepreneur. Amber, thanks so much for having a productive conversation with me today. Thank you. Anytime I can geek out about comic book stuff and Marvel and all that is a win And there's so much more to this episode than that. So thanks to Amber for joining me 
on this episode. You can check out all of the things we talked about, anything relevant and all that stuff at productivityist.com slash podcast 465. If you want to support the show and make sure that you don't miss a single episode of what's to come, the simplest way to do that is to hit the subscribe button wherever you are listening to this podcast right now. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, doesn't matter. Subscribe to the podcast. That way you don't miss a single episode of what's to come and can easily and simply search through the archives of the 464 episodes prior to this one. We go way, way back. This will make it easier for you to do that. Another way to support the show and make sure that we keep the lights on and the speakers going and all that stuff is to check out the sponsors. You heard some today. There's a bunch of others that you can check out at productivityist.com slash podcast sponsors. Do that right now and then let them know that we sent you. I'm going to send you away now. We're done this episode. Thanks so much for taking the time to join me and Amber. Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of A Productive Conversation, reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later.